Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. On today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I talked about the Pelicans hiring Stan Van Gundy as their next head coach. And we took your mailbag questions about the NBA draft and a bunch of teams that are at the crossroads right now in the NBA. All that coming up next. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from theRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Verno. What up? Hey, man. Uh, so it was a few weeks ago on the Ringer NBA Show that at the very tail end of the show, I recall you saying, "Keep an eye out for Stan Van Gundy and New Orleans." And since we last spoke. That came to fruition. Stan Van Gundy was hired by David Griffin and the New Orleans Pelicans. I think when this all started with the Pelicans ouster of Alvin Gentry, you know, we went through the Ty Lue phase because Ty Lue had a former uh, relationship with David Griffin. We talked about Mike D'Antoni possibly because he had a former relationship via the Phoenix Suns with David Griffin. Uh, But they do land on Stan Van Gundy as their next head coach. When you saw that news come across the wire, what'd you think? Great. I'm happy. I think he could bring some accountability to the team in terms of how much they need it on the defensive end of the floor. They were horrific on defense this season. And Stan Van Gundy, of course, infamously or famously, I'm not sure, uh, once said, build an effing wall. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what the Pelicans need to do. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do now that he's back in the NBA. But by the way, like he, he, he failed in Detroit because he was coach and GM. Now he's just the coach. Right. And he was always a good coach. He was. He was a good basketball coach. And it was one of those cautionary tales of it is two different skill sets. Number one, it also, in many cases, can be two different motivations. Right. If I am... If I am the general manager and the coach, now let's say I make a poor signing or a poor usage of money. Well, 
sometimes I may want to use that guy to prove that I was right about this guy, right? And I know that you still get into that with with front offices and coaches anyway, right? And, and everybody wants to be responsible. Everybody wants to be right about the move they made. But when you then, you're not doing the scouting of every other team on a regular basis. I know you have scouts. You're certainly not doing that with college, but it's just a very hard job to do twofold. And another cautionary tale of taking that over. I mean, everybody wants that power, but I think we've seen two of these guys now. In fact, three of these guys now, all of which I think you would say were subpar to very below average in that role but we respect them as guys that are on the sidelines as basketball coaches because that is their expertise. And that is Doc Rivers, who took on that role, Tom Thibodeau, who took on that role, and Stan Van Gundy, who took on that role. And yet all of them got hired as coaches, though it didn't go well at their last stops. I mean, Doc better than the other two. But we thought, good hires, because these guys are good basketball coaches who were miscast trying to run everything. For sure. Absolutely. And ultimately, it's another good opportunity for him when New Orleans here there, even though they have Zion, they have Ingram, you know, granted, he's a restricted free agent. He'll likely be back matched any offer sheet or whatever. Um, this is still sort of a, 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 a team right now that can go in many different directions, depending on how David Griffin wants to build it out. And I look forward to seeing the ways in which Van Gundy utilizes Zion and the ways in which he tries to get him going offensively. Because remember, you know, before all the three-point shooting we've seen the last 10 years or so that has exploded with the Warriors and the Rockets and all these teams shooting a lot of threes, the Magic had Dwight Howard at center and four shooters around him in the late 2000s with Van Gundy at head coach. And they went to a finals. Granted, they lost to Kobe and the Lakers. Uh, they had some good run. They had some really strong teams. And and with Williamson, uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans, I know they want to add another big. They don't want to go like all small ball with Zion at the five all the time. It's, it's it just wouldn't work. Uh, but I think with Van Gundy's past and what he could do now with this roster, it's kind of exciting to think about the possibilities with the different ways in which they can use Zion. But most importantly, though, and, and again, this is like with all the coaching hires we talk about, I am more interested in the personnel changes. Who do they draft? Who do they try to trade for? Who do they try to sign that I am? Who's coaching the team? But, you know, I, I'm excited to see if they're able to get Zion going in creative ways that they weren't able to do as much during the season, despite his success. He posted up a lot, man. I want to see some more pick and roll with Zion. I want to see some more creativity with him handling the ball and running pick and roll. And that will largely come from other personnel changes that come to the roster that allow that to happen. But hey, man, SVG has had success with some different types of teams in the past. And I look forward to seeing what he can do here with him. And that team has a good roster. They underperformed badly. You know what I mean? Sometimes teams underperform because you look at their roster and you go, man, they don't have the goods. Like, that team underperformed. I think so, too. I think so, too. Of course too. it did. I mean, look, I mean, Lonzo, I think Lonzo hit one shot in the bubble. Well, even though they're young, the defense was bad. Even though they had good individual defenders, they have Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter guard defenders. Ingram and Lonzo... They were good defenders with the Lakers. They were. The last two years, they were good. They were not good defenders last season with New Orleans. And Zion, I mean, like, he was horrific 
He was so bad on defense. It was it was really sad to watch. This is the guy who was blocking three-point shots, closing out from the opposite side in the paint at Duke just a year prior, which is why people wonder how much of it was fatigue coming back midseason, how much of it was the injury limiting in him, how much of it was effort. I don't know. I don't know what, what it was, but regardless, he stunk on defense. And all of this needs to change next season for this team to be anything, to have any chance at actually getting into the playoffs. It can't be all offense. Well, and I think you were on board with me on, I loved their first draft pick, who they didn't develop at all, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it was odd because Jackson Hayes clearly had the better rookie season between the two and got more run between them, right? But, I mean, I like that guy, and that guy couldn't even get on the floor for them. And that speaks to how good their roster is. I mean, they've got you, – you got Lonzo, and you got Drew Wilder, and you got J.J. Redick, and you got Ingram, and you got Zion, and Derek Favors was too important to them, especially defensively last year. I mean, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Walker-Alexander, I mean, they got guys on that team. He, he walks into a good situation with a team that I think should have won more than they did last year, and certainly – was a the biggest disappointment in the bubble by a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were going to take that eight seed. Everybody did. It was set up for them too. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, come That's on. The, don't, don't say the that. The NBA wanted it. Look who. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they, they wanted it. They, they tried to get as many teams in as they could, but I'm yeah, not going to argue that. I'm it's not because Z- that. it's because Zion was on one of those teams. By the way, they might have got it if, you know, coronavirus didn't happen. If they played out the rest maybe. of the season when when they had the easiest remaining schedule, yeah, maybe. I mean, who really knows what would have panned out? I mean, it's this is a theoretical alternate universe. It doesn't exist for us. But you know, New Orleans, despite their flaws, they have a good team. They have a good team, and they just need to get better defensively more than anything else. And hopefully, for them, Van Gundy can help there. Well, he's certainly been known for that in the past. All right, producer Sasha, we have asked for mailbag questions. We got some great ones last week. We are going to try to get to more uh, this week than we did last week. Let's fire away. See what we got from our listeners. All right. Here we go. Let's start with the draft since that's coming up. So uh, we got one from Nick Knoll. What do you think about the fit of Desmond Bain on the Dallas Mavericks at pick 18? He could fill that secondary playmaker role to avoid Luka burnout and be the knockdown catch and shoot player the Mavs need, plus his strong base on defense. What do you think? Desmond Bain starting us out. How about that? Desmond Bain. Is that the TCU kid? Yeah. That was one of the first names mentioned to me as a guy. Now, this is early in the college basketball season as a guy that wasn't on mock drafts that should be on mock drafts. You know what list he should be on, Chris? On your this guy will not fail list. He should be on that. And here's why. Because there's maybe not a smarter player in the draft. He does not make many mistakes. He's like Malcolm Brogdon in that sense, where he's just somebody you can rely on. He can make, look, people talk about LaMelo as the best passer in the the draft. It might actually be Desmond Bain, which is ridiculous to say when he only averaged four assists as a senior (laughs) at TCU. But some of the passes he makes are NBA passes, like high pick and roll, driving, driving the lane, and kicking it out for an accurate three with his left hand to his right side, even though he's a right-handed player. He has an ability to read the floor like a veteran and minimize mistakes. And not only that, he's a knockdown shooter. He shot over 40% on over 200 three-point attempts and not just like simple little standstill shots standing in the corner. 
This guy can hit off the dribble for you. He can hit off movement, off of screens and handoffs. These, And not to mention, he's a really good defender. So for Dallas, or whether it's a team like Brooklyn in the middle of the first round, he is one of the reasons why with this year's draft class, I'm like, stop calling it crap. It's not oh. a crappy draft because of guys like Desmond Bain who are going to pan out to be good role players who impact winning for contending teams. Desmond Bain is one of those players, and I'm excited for whether it's Dallas or Brooklyn or, or any team like Boston, a team like that could integrate him in right away and get a guy who can contribute towards winning. Just as you were talking about that, it made me think. I need to um, holler at my old buddy Ryan Miller. Mike Miller's brother, his little brother Ryan Miller, is the assistant head coach there. So I'll get a full scouting report yeah. on uh, on Desmond Bain. I forgot, because um, that's Jamie Dixon's school now, who was at Pitt for 100 years, right? I, I should have I already done this research, but you, you effusive in your praise about Bain. I, I love him. I love him. Like, there's very few things that you can look at and say, oh, this guy's not going to make it. Like, you can say, oh, he doesn't have a great first step. But, like, yeah, you're not drafting him to be a star player. You're drafting him to be a, a good role player on your team that makes a winning impact. And really, you know, it's, it's like your glue guy. People think glue guy is an incel. I think it's one of the greatest compliments of basketball players. Of course it receive. is. Trevor Ariza is going to play for 20 friggin' years. Well, I mean, like, I, 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 it's true. I mean, it's, true. It's, like, it, it's like, Sasha, you're Lakers. Alex Caruso, this undrafted guy. Why does it work with him? It works with him because he's a smart defender who knows how to rotate, who is always on top of things on offense. He can hit spot up threes in an, at least an average clip, and he makes smart plays as a cutter, as a screener, as a passer. Like That's what you want is guys like that next to your star players, and Desmond Bain does a lot of those things better because he's a great shooter, and Caruso is not. But like, that's, like you need guys like that on your team in order to win at the highest levels. They're critical. You got me taking him in the lottery. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Chris, I have him ranked 20th on my board and I, I am, I'm trying to get him ranked higher on my board. It's just, it, it's hard. It's hard to balance like, like upside versus certainty. You know? It sounds like you think anybody that took Desmond Bain, it would be a good pick. What about specifically for the guy that asked the question? Is that a great fit with? Oh yeah. The Mavericks. Yes. hundred percent. Like that's what you want around Luca. Just like, you know, I mentioned with Caruso, a yep. guy like that, or KCP even next to LeBron. You need guys who are unselfish, who make quick decisions, and who are reliable around a star like Luca. And and for Dallas, it's a no brainer to have somebody like. Also, that. it stands to reason if the kid went, you know, obviously the kid is a TCU. A lot of people in Dallas are already familiar with him. Yeah, true. Wouldn't have to go very, wouldn't have to go very far to play for the Mavericks. Absolutely, and also just need to mention he's six foot six, like two hundred twenty yep. pounds. He'll probably get a little heavier in the NBA, but I mean he's strong. You know, he's not like six two here. We're talking a big. A big body. All right. Nothing to sniff at. Caruso right. is also beautiful, stunning, ah. great personality. <laughs> I mean, Rihanna, like, like Rihanna loves Caruso, clearly. <laughs> Who doesn't ha love Caruso? Halsey loves Caruso. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. All right, I got another uh, question about the draft for you. <laughs> uh, and also the upcoming season for the Golden State Warriors from Jacob Shilito. What do you think they are going to do with the second overall draft pick? Do you think Wiggins will remain on the team? Would love to hear what you guys think about potential moves they could make and how this will impact their future. Plus, we have a quick P.S., I am a close friend of Max Johnson from Sydney who sent in the question about KP and the future of the Mavs last week. And I, I am able to confirm that he is, in fact, from Sydney and not Iowa, as Bruno <laughs> said. <laughs> oh, that's good. You really do have a worldwide audience. Oh, that's perfect. So. That's All right. Um, look, uh, KOC, me and you got a bet on Wiggins. I told you you'd be gone by next All-Star break. So... <laughs> So this is a good question. Yes, they're going to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if they'll pair it with the second pick overall, but it certainly wouldn't be uh, the worst thing in the world if they moved down a little bit. Um, you know, let's say let's say Charlotte loves somebody at two. Could you move down a little bit? Maybe, uh, you know, you still get the guy that you want. You get off that contract. Um, no, you're not you're destroyed. What? No. Well, you don't you think Wiggins, I mean, Wiggins in this situation can be a solid player. Oh, stop. He can be a solid player. He doesn't fit with them. Um, so Why? Why doesn't he fit with them? He can defend when he wants to. <laughs> when he wants to? <laughs> he can, he's been in the league re- for seven years. He, he's, he's Which a, of the seven he, did he do it? He's a really good cutter. Oh. I, 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 wrote a, I wrote an article after this trade was made. Yeah, I know you did. I read it. It was awful. I wrote it before the <laughs> trade happened. To become <laughs> the headline makes it sound way different than than the than it is. But to become oh. the next Spurs, <laughs> the oh, Warriors whoa. need Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> I knew you were going to react like that. You mean the DeRozan Aldridge Spurs? <laughs> 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 I hope Shea Serrano's not listening after that joke. They're, they are well on their way to that if they keep Wiggins. No, um, look, I've told you I think Wiseman is an unbelievable pick for them if they take him at number two. Um, I, I I don't think Wiseman is a great fit or a natural fit in Minnesota next to Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Um, so I think Wiseman, it stands to reason he could be there, you know, depending upon if somebody trades up to Minnesota, but if they kept the number two pick, I think they would take James Wiseman. That's where I stand as of today, and I do believe they will get rid of Andrew Wiggins. I'll tell you what. 
I'm confused here with what they're going to do. And so are teams and executives that I'm talking to because there's so much information out there about the Warriors like, what they want to do, who they want to draft, like the guys they have interest in. I've reported that they love James Wiseman. I also reported that they like a lot of the wings. And this week, there's a report from Ethan Sherwood Strauss that they worked out Denny Avdia, international prospect, a forward, six foot nine, does a lot of good things in the court. And they really liked him. They liked his workout, according to Ethan. Connor from the San Francisco Chronicle has reported a bunch of stuff from the Warriors camp. And it's like, it's hard to decipher what is real and what is misdirection. So the problem we're facing, you know, from our perspective is the same problem that other teams are facing with like, well, what do they actually want to do here? What do they actually want to do? They're in win now mode. And I think the only player that I would be 100% would start for them next year, given their current roster, would be Wiseman. He could be a starter immediately for them. I don't know if there's anybody else they could draft that would... Nobody's starting over Steph. Nobody's starting over Clay. If you assume Wiggins is there, he's going to be a starter. And nobody's starting over Draymond. The only position open, right? And I'm not saying you have to draft an immediate starter when you're drafting for the future. But I would say it serves both purposes. You would get somebody that could impact your team immediately and in the future with a, not a lot of pressure on him. I've, I've said that since could the a spring. guy like the, and this is why I've had Avdia going to them two mock drafts in a row. Now it's not that I'm, I, it's not that I was hearing that he was the guy it's that I heard they like wings. Avdi is somebody who could, I think could contribute right away too. He can come in and be a reliable defender for you. He's a great off ball defender already after playing professionally for some number of years. And the fact is offensively, he's a good decision maker, smart player, knows how to cut, knows how to move the ball around, which fits. The only question with him is, can he shoot? I mean, he shot 50% from the free throw line. The three point numbers wavered, you know, from like high thirties to high twenties all over the place there. Well, in fairness, they need you something know? on their bench anyway. Their bench stinks. They do. You know what I mean? They, that, that's gotten ravaged the last couple of years. They don't have – you don't look at the bench and have everybody from, you know, the back to the glory years where it was Leandro Barbosa and Iguodala and Sean Livingston and all these kind of guys. I mean, it, they had a bunch of no-names last year. I think some of those quote-unquote no-names are going to pan out to be solid rotation players. Like, just one of them, at least, Eric Paschal. Paschal will. I, th- I, th- I thought he had a good year for the what Warriors. What do you think about Poole? sort of went overlooked. I mean, I, th- I was – Maybe. Maybe. I was never super into him as a prospect. Uh, but but he was an interesting pick, though, because he's such like a, a – He was a ball-dominant player in That thing college. was out of nowhere. Yeah, That was. was the most shocking – of the picks regarding mock it, it, it didn't seem like a Warriors pick at all. Sort sort of like just to mention the Spurs again. I I was shocked when the Spurs took Dejounte Murray. That did not seem like a a Spursian pick to me because he kind of had like a shot chucking style at, at Washington in college. But anyway, yep. What are the Warriors going to do at number two? I have no idea. Nobody does. <laughs> all right, I say Wiseman. Oh, we got Sasha. Uh, Jordan Poole is also an icon of uh, uh fashion. Um, He is one of the, I would say he is a pioneer on the tight shorts. Oh, yes. 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 He has the tightest shorts in the NBA, followed maybe by LeBron James, actually. The Michigan kid, he's super tight with Jaron Jackson Jr. I know that. Because when they they came to town, that was like uh, family reuniting. And I was like, huh, I didn't realize they were such good buddies. Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. I guess they grew up playing together. 
All right, let's do a non-basketball question. Have KOC and Verno ever wanted to do a rewatchables? And if so, what movie or movies? Mm. Chris Kelly. Huh. Uh, I'm not a huge movie guy, so I don't know if I'd be. I, it would have to be one of the movies I've seen a thousand times. Well, what movie have what you seen those? a thousand times? Well, they already did it. They already did it. No, I wasn't a part of it. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> what was the movie? My favorite. My favorite movie ever is The Princess Bride. <laughs> I, okay. I, as a child, I bet I watched The Princess Bride. I mean, if you sat down and turned it on, I think I could do, I would get 98% of the lines correct of the entire wow. movie. Wow. Yeah, I've seen it that Amazing. many times. Wow. I loved The Princess Bride as a kid and then even into adulthood. I still love it. Every time it's on, I still watch it. That's my, it's my favorite movie ever. I wrote a paper about it in college. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I, if they ever do a rewatchables for the, for Interstellar, I want to be on that. Ah, that's a good one. I love Interstellar very, very, very much. Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the rewatchables, is not the biggest Interstellar fan. Yeah. I'm not sure it'll ever happen, but to Sean Fennessy and everybody from the rewatchables, if you ever do Interstellar, please, please ask me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only one I feel like I'm capable of being on that show for. Because like you, Chris, I mean, I love fair. movies. I love movies, but I, I listen to the conversations that they have. And I'm like, damn, I, I just don't. I don't pay attention well <laughs> yeah, enough. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm I mean, I get level. I'd have to go back and watch them. But I yeah, mean, yeah. They've, and, and so many of those movies that are truly rewatchable, they've done them. You know what I mean? And like, I, I think I think it's also I love that show I, because it's like I feel like the way they analyze movies is the way we sort of talk about basketball. So I'd have to change the way I watch the movie yep. before going into the rewatchables. I'd have a notepad out thinking about like, you know, I wouldn't have a notepad. I'd have a, my laptop notepad out <laughs> and think about it that way. But you know, I, I think I if it's a movie now. that you've seen, like if it was like Princess Bride, Chris, you could you could just pull out your mic and you'd be fine. That's right. You know what I mean? I think if you like if it's a movie that you've watched a thousand times. That that but but that is the only movie that I would feel confident that I know everything about. Everything. What would you say, Sasha? We want your answer. Well, they have done a couple, but if they did, there are also for me a few movies that I've seen truly one billion times. Um, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days is for sure one. I've I think I've seen that movie a thousand times, and then also, uh, like every Amanda Bynes movie from the OOS. <laughs> What a girl uh, wants. I could I could do that. And uh she's the man. I've seen, yeah. I know every line of that movie. By the way, Chris, I don't think I've ever seen The Princess Bride. I don't think I ever have. Oh, it's so depressing. I, I just pulled it up on IMDb or and so I, depressing. I don't have a rating it. for it. I don't know. I, I you're gonna get a lot of great movies that. I haven't seen. Yeah, do me a favor and watch that one. Okay, I'll watch it before <laughs> Tuesday. I will. All right. I, I will. It's only an hour and a half. You'd love yeah, it. Uh, yeah. If it was like two hours, 38 minutes instead of one hour, 38, I don't know if I'd watch it. No, but you'd love it. 90 minutes, I'll check it out. Any, it if, 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 if there's anybody out there that doesn't like The Princess Bride, they are, they cannot be trusted. Unfollow Chris. Trusted. Uh, <laughs> no, they, they can't. Yeah, unfollow me. You cannot be trusted. A lot at stake for me ahead of Tuesday. Show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, Tuesdays. Tuesdays. You cannot be trusted. I will find you untrustworthy. <laughs> Oh, we got to check back in with you. It, oh, it's right up your alley. I think you will love, love it. it. He'll love Ad it. Adventure Positive. family fantasy. 
While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies you in his quest it. to be reunited with his true love. It's perfect. I'm, I'm into it already. It's perfect. I'm into it. It is family, but it's also like you can totally watch it as an adult and like enjoy every part oh, of it. Oh, of course. Of course you can. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right. So let's let's go to a question about um, the Nets because... I feel like we actually haven't talked about them uh, that much. So so, because from... Karis Laverde emailed us. <laughs> 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 hey, am I, I gonna just... get the? Am I gonna get shots next year? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The answer's no, Karis. <laughs> <laughs> you better get, you better make a high percentage of the eleven you get. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually Kevin McDevitt. Okay. Uh, and he says, my question is simple. <laughs> Do the Nets have the clearest path to, to the first seed? I assume he means in the East. As a lifelong New Jersey Nets fan, I have waited patiently as the team has been completely ignored in all basketball discussions. But it is officially time to look forward to the 2021 season. As presently constructed, the Nets are the best basketball team in the East. Is that fair or unfair? Okay, number one. And I'm sorry, Kevin. That's bull crap. They, they were on the cover. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated when they had the KG, Paul Pierce, Jason Kidd. They got all the attention in the world. They get too much attention because they're in Brooklyn. Every media member loves Brooklyn. They loved Kenny Atkinson. They loved Kenny Atkinson. They got talked up more as an eight seed than any eight seed in history um, two years ago. And that was a very likable team. I loved them myself. That team that had that whole bench of like, you know, Damari Carroll and Jared Dudley and Ed Davis, all those guys that were going crazy all the time. And it was a fun team. Everybody liked it. And then obviously this last year, it it went the wrong way. That being said, um, we've got to see what KD looks like first. I assume he's going to be amazing because I don't think that like many players – uh, he is he isn't as dependent on extreme athleticism as many of his peers, and so his ability to come back from this injury uh, strikes me as something totally plausible. And I, in fact, I'd bet on it. Um, I don't know if they they'll be in the mix. I mean, uh, you know, you got to see what Toronto does in the off season. We got to see what Boston does in the off season. We got to see what Philly does in the off season. We got to see what. Uh, Miami does in the offseason. So, I mean, you cannot pencil them in as number one, but they're in the mix with the other four. You know what I mean? And I think there's going to be a dogfight. I do think there's going to be at least six or seven dynamite teams in the East next year. 
I agree with all that logic, Chris. I think to answer your question, Kevin, with this Nets team, so much of it's going to be dependent on health. When it comes to like, if you're the one seed or the two or the three or the four, especially with the East having as many good teams as it has, does like, let's say it's an 82 game season. Does Kyrie play 60 games? Does he have 70 plus? Does Kevin Durant, you know, come back? And is he resting for back to backs after coming back from a, a ruptured Achilles tendon? Does he play the full season? Like that, a lot of that is dependent on health and, you know, load management and all that. Ultimately, like in terms of one seed, I think that that hearing that means like, are they the lead contender in these? Like the Bucks were considered the number one contender. Will the Nets be considered the number one contender at entering next season's postseason or even entering the season itself before it plays out? Yeah, I think a lot of that will depend on what else we see. What else do they do entering the offseason? Will there be a big trade that becomes available? Like if Gobert, if Utah one year ahead of, ahead of his free agency decides to trade him, would they make a move for him? I don't know. I mean, like I'm not sure what's available for Brooklyn, but if Kevin Durant is anything like Kevin Durant, which I think there's reason to believe he will, um, there's some logic to the fact that he ruptured his right Achilles and not his left when he when jumping for layups or dunks as a right-handed player he typically jumps off his left leg so even if he loses a little bit of power with his right leg there's some logic that people have talked about around the league that it won't affect him as much that's something dominique wilkins i believe had ex experience before to his benefit so with kd i would expect kd to be pretty close to the kd we saw pre-injury and if you got that guy in your team you got a chance to do something special so yeah, they get a shot, but we'll see how the rest of the offseason plays out. Yeah, Kyrie's got to prove he can make somebody better, too. He made Boston worse when he was on the court, and he made the Nets worse when he was on the court. Yep. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Both teams were better when he wasn't in the lineup. I mean, that is a huge demerit. That is not true of almost anybody else that we consider a star, that when they're out, we the team is better. Like, and that's happened now in two different situations, you know, uh, in a row. And we don't know what Steve Nash is going to be like as a coach. That's true, right? too. It's another factor, right? It's his first time on the sideline. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, and if he is, is he even really head coach? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're kind of all head coaches. Mm, you know, oh, really. Yeah, it's collaborative. That's yeah. right. Um. Okay. So the next one is from Jake Saul. <laughs> Heard you mention before that you collected cars with your son, Chris. Mm -hmm. yep. Have you ever thought of doing a small segment of what you guys are buying and collecting? And maybe you just want to shout out right now. Oh, uh, well, I'd say, so I bought a ton of Morants, uh, the rookies, um, because my son, my daughter, they love, love, love John Morant, right? So I bought, I invested in a bunch of the Morant rookies. Um, the last one I got, was a rookie autographed Jimmy Butler that I bought on eBay. And it's crazy. I've had more than a few eBay sellers ask me if I'm the guy from the Ringer NBA show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's One funny. of which sent me a Brooke Lopez card in the mail. Oh, as yeah, a I'm already told that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, John Moran, uh, who else did I buy? I bought Zions. Um, I did invest in some of those. I bought... The Butler one right before the finals, I bought, who else did I buy? Um, I've got a couple, I have a Tyler Hero that I got, you know, I, I just kind of like, I'll look and I, I got into those PSAs, um, like the PSA 
nines and tens and try to try to bid on those when the auctions come up. Um, it's typically been rookies that I've got. I, I, it's pretty well all rookie cards that I've gotten um, of people. I've got some Lucas. Who else is? Who else would be a big one that I would have tried to go get? I, those are those are the major. Those are the major ones. Um, and then. If anybody wants to, well, I don't, I almost don't want to say, because then people are going to try to outbid me. The ones that are low right now, you can get the Zions lower than I think what they will be. But like some of these other guys, Colin Sexton, De'Aaron Fox, guys that I really like that I think their best days are really ahead. Like those are the ones I like kind of scout out now. How how much would like a, a PSA 10 Zion cost right now? You'd be lucky to get it for 700. So seven. So I'm. Just, I'm just. You'd be. I'm, I'm I think I, you could probably get it for five. You could probably get one for. Five the reason why I ask is I'm fascinated. It feels like card collecting has sort of surged. Oh, in the last yes. year or two. So and, and I mean I just I want why why is that happening? Has there been like a feature story written on like why card collecting has become? Do you know who Gary V is? He I has made name. a yep. massive yep. impact on this. Interesting. Does he find them to be a a? good investment well, like, no, compared yes, to stocks. That, yes. No, he's, okay, he's been so telling I... everybody that for the last five years. I do think he has had an impact on that because of how famous he has gotten. Um, he also, he, there was a player, who was it? Was it CJ McCollum? It was some player in the NBA that was with Gary V and he told him he invested in, I think it was like LeBron rookies or something like that. And he had made like a hundred thousand dollars in a month. Oh wow. Like flipping cards. Because and I I think there is I, I think there's a couple of things. The supply and demand has gotten much, much greater. It used to be if I went to Target, I my son would ask me for a box of cards every time we went, right? When he was little. Um, littler. He's 10. You can't find cards anymore. You can't find them. Like they're not at Target and they're not at Walmart. We can't get them. Like It used to always be there. So that's one thing that you've noticed. The other thing is everybody that grew up and loved it, now they're my age. And we got kids. Mm -hmm. And we got kids. And kids like that. And kids like cards. And so now we're all back into it. And now we got money to be able to do it. And so now (laughs) you've got the, it's the stock market thing. You know what I'm saying? And, And it's a lot more fun to me because I've always just been a, I don't buy them to flip them. I buy them to have them. And then if it becomes extreme where I feel like, hey, I can make a lot of money off these cards, then I would flip them. Um, But yeah, I've collected my whole life. And I've just kind of, in the last year, I will tell you that this is crazy. I have, and this is the surge that has taken place. I went back and looked. In December, I went and bought a slew of Jaws and Zions because I knew that my son was going to ask for basketball cards for Christmas. I was worried that if we bought the boxes of cards that he wasn't going to get what he wanted. So I went out of my way and I bought them as singles to make sure that we would have them, right? I went back and looked and those cards that I bought, I bought them for like five bucks, six bucks, 10 bucks. Some of those graded, are like a thousand dollars now. It's amazing. Within six months, it's crazy. I bought them, and that was in December. This is like sneakers. Yes. Yeah. And all the sneaker kids are getting into the cards now too. <laughs> they are. 
because the sneaker game is hard. I'm just fascinated by it because like I have a friend, I have one friend who flips sneakers all the time. I've known him since high school and like, I don't know what he makes from doing it, but like, it doesn't really matter to me, but like, I know like it's, it's important for him to, yes. to continue doing it into his late twenties into his thirties. It's something that's worth doing for him. And for card collecting, it seems like that is a similar thing. So for me, like, I remember hearing when I was young, like these Pokemon cards could be worth a lot That's someday. Right. And there are a couple that are. There oh, are yeah. a couple that are. Hey, don't tell me you've got a Charizard refractor. I, 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 haven't, I haven't looked through it. You know, you got a Charizard rookie. You're in the money. I definitely have a holographic Charizard in there. What condition is it in? I don't Let's know. Let's go. Let's go, know. Kev. I don't know, but like, I'm just very interested in it because you're right. That's the number one thing that comes to mind. It is more fun for you and for your kids to get like a John Morant, you know, whatever, whatever brand it is that the one that's doing well than it is to get like four shares of Apple. Oh, do you know, do you know when the, I, I, I just remembered the last one I bought, I bought two like really good Kyler Murray rookies. That was the last one I bought Kyler Murray. And that was at the beginning of the NFL season because I looked at their schedule and I'm like, oh, God. Well, what is the upside on like a John Morant or a Kyler Murray? Like, what is like, what does it become if he becomes like a really great oh, player? Not maybe not a Hall of Famer, but. Oh, God. If you saw what these Lucas are going for now. I know, but like Luca, but like what what is like the comparable for like what is a Carmelo Anthony rookie card right now? Oh, uh, well, it, it's hard. I mean, you would have to strike while the iron's hot. Right. Uh, there was a time like Carmelo was uh, actually a player like, OK, I'll give you an example. Those LeBron rookies, you could have gotten them for a couple hundred bucks. And now you might get I mean, what you just saw one get sold for a million bucks. If you've got one of those like in amazing condition now that is graded, I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for some of these stupid cards. It's so crazy, like a, but it's there's true. like a 2003 Tops gem mint PSA 10 for 255 with 17 bids on it six days ago on eBay right now. So that's pretty good. Like if you got that card for I don't know, a hundred bucks, triple in your profit, you know, 10 years Wait, later. What is that? I don't what, know. What, what card I, I don't is know. that? I don't know if I'm I, I don't know if the return on investment is worth it for all cards, but I don't know. I'm just very I'm very interested in the card collecting world, is all I'm saying. Oh, like all right. I I uh here we go. Here's a here's a Luca rookie PSA 10, right? So we're just two years removed. The first one I pulled up is on sale for uh, PSA 10 for $1,500. Jeez. 1500 Kev. Jeez. I can't imagine spending that much money on a card, but you know, like that I'm also like frugal when it comes to money. So you could have bought, you could have bought those and Giannis ones for, I mean, you could have bought them for a couple hundred bucks six, six months a year ago. And if he continues on his trajectory oh. as, a guy, as a guy who could become like a top 20 all-time player, maybe more than that. But what, like, what is the upside of that card? Like, you know, like if Luca becomes that player for real, it's the gamble. It's the game. What does it be? Yeah, it is a gamble. But like, what is, what's the upside of it? Like, what does it become? Or, or is it like stocks where the, where the number just keeps going up and up and up and up and up? You know? Oh, yeah. No, it could. I mean, you could look and trying to get one of those could cost you, I could be $3,000 in a year. He won MVP. If he won MVP and you try Mm -hmm. to go again, it's supply and demand. That's true. And that's true. Like if you have two of those, let's let's say somebody has two Luca PSA 10 gen. That's right. 
rookie cards. They might sell one of them the year he wins MVP and hold That's on right. to the other for the next one. Uh, well, and the bigger this gets and the more people get involved with it, now all of a sudden that supply and demand, it changes. Well, and like you're seeing this in other industries too with like uh, like creating blockchains, you know, for people to invest into like a replay or whatever. I don't know. Like I think the NBA recently, re- recently released something with like you can own like a play or whatever. I'm not sure. I didn't really look too much into it, but I don't know. There's different ways of investment in blockchain or card collecting, two different extremes, a physical and the non-physical seem to be ways in which we're moving forward with that type of It was of an stuff. interesting question. It was. It, it sparked an interesting conversation hey, there. I, I'll tell you, you this. The first time we brought it up on the show, I had a guy on Instagram DM me and he goes, you have absolutely no idea how big this has gotten. He goes, I, my only feed is for basketball. It's just basketball cards. Okay. He started a basketball card collecting feed. He had over 20,000 followers. He said in the last three months, he had made over 25 grand. And he said, and this thing has exploded. I just happened to be, I was always the guy that loved cards and I was into it. And he's like, this thing's gone crazy. It's pretty cool. It is. It's It's going crazy. You know what I mean? And the guy's got a whole business out of it now. It's amazing. Wild. Unreal. What's next? You told me the same thing about my Beanie Babies, but <laughs> <laughs> still waiting on that. Oh, my gosh. Getting a little threadbare. All right. Um, okay, let's do one more. So I, I'll let you guys choose. We have one about Ty Lu and one about the Knicks. I don't want to talk about either of those. I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, either one. Either one's fine. I, I think I think there's going to be more Knicks fans out there that sit there and go, "Why did you take the one about the Knicks?" Than there are Ty Lue fans. Let, let, let's let's do them, <laughs> let's do them both real quick answers. Okay, okay, cool. Let's do them both. So, um, if Killian Hayes this is from Alex Canzone, if Killian Hayes isn't available at eight for New York, what do you think about New York trading the pick to Boston for fourteen, twenty six, and thirty? Celtics can consolidate their plethora of picks, get a potential long-term answer at center, and Knicks can take multiple swings at building a cheap young core to entice stars. Let's just also say, like, you know, what do you think they're gonna Knicks are gonna do with that pick? I'm not sure the Celtics would do that trade. I mean, it depends on if if they love the player who's available, like Killian Hayes. But ultimately, for New York, um, it this pick is gonna be fascinating to see what direction they go because. They need guys who can handle the ball. And Killian Hayes is somebody who makes sense there. Tyrese Halliburton, somebody who makes sense there. But maybe they go a veteran route instead with a Chris Paul. I'm not sure what the the Knicks are going to do with that spot. But ultimately, I do think you're thinking along the right lines, Alex, and that a trade down, whether it's with Boston or whether it's with somebody else, makes sense to get more assets. Because like I said, this year's draft has a lot of good potential role players. And if they can get a couple more shots, at those guys later in the draft, to me, that makes some sense. But Killian Hayes, I would just take him if he's there. I, I am of the opinion you've got a chance, you've got to crack at a top ten talent. Nail the pick. Like that's the truth of the matter. You got to nail this because I think when you just got RJ last year, that is what you are going to be building with in mind going forward. You don't really have much else that you're building. With, with going forward, um, if you want to say Mitchell Robinson or some of the other guys that are younger on the team, but RJ's the guy, right? And so if you can find somebody, and eight's usually in it, it has been a good spot where people have dropped that eight, nine, 10 range has been in many drafts 
where somebody that was projected to go higher drops for whatever reason, and you can't believe he's still available. And the truth is, you've just got to nail it. There's only seven teams that could take players ahead of you. I would try to find the best possible talent for me to pair up for the next five years with R.J. Barrett. That's what I'd do. I, I would not move that pick. Hmm. All right, let's 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 move on to Tyler. You guys talked about a little bit, like, I think last week when he was hired as head coach. So Stafford, Hep, and Stahl, probably one of the best names we've ever seen um, <laughs> as a question. I generally got the impression that Tyloo is not a good coach, but after this last Clippers shit show and all the money <clears throat> and draft capital the Clippers have spent to be the team in L.A., I don't think Steve Ballmer is going to hire based on gut. What have you heard about the Tyloo interview and what is his coaching style? Slash, is he going to be good? Seems like the vibe here. Well, I mean, it's not the it's not the first time he's been on a bench. You know, meanwhile, we saw him in Cleveland, right? And he obviously had to navigate that. And look, when when he left there, if they could have come to terms with him with the Lakers, they would have hired him. So, to me, that's a hell of an endorsement. If LeBron said, you know, LeBron has is is had his issues with the, a myriad of coaches in the past, but given the opportunity to have his say that's who he wanted and so to me I think you've got to give Ty Lue the benefit of the doubt right when the when the best player in the world uh when when he was asked who do you want to be your coach said Ty Lue and you just couldn't come to financial terms with him I think he gets the benefit of the doubt as a coach and obviously he did a great job in Cleveland when he was a coach there I, I think that sums it up well LeBron has been coached by so many different people over his entire career and Ty Lue was somebody that he respects and somebody he wanted to be coached by again. Yep. I mean, that kind of says a lot to me. That's it. I have a follow-up, though, about, like, yes, he works with LeBron, but we've seen that Kawhi and LeBron are starkly different in yeah, how they fair. lead a team. So, like, do you think that there is going to be that same harmony with Kawhi? I don't know. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll find out from from my understanding is that Ty Lue had the respect of a lot of guys in that locker room. Right. And so I'm mm-hmm. sure they gave their endorsement and conversations right. with the front office as well. I agree and, with you. You know, Steve Ballmer wouldn't have hired him. Steve Ballmer yeah. wouldn't have hired him. Yeah. If, if he didn't get the endorsements of the major guys on that team. As far as the what have you heard about the interview? Uh, what I heard was Ty Lue uh, walked in and said, give me a shit ton of money. And Steve Ballmer said, OK. incidentally the same thing he said to rob he also said uh all right it's been a month you haven't hired anybody why don't you just hire me and steve bulmer said okay (laughs) (laughs) all right that's gonna do it for another episode of the mismatch great questions as always thanks to uh producer sasha as always kevin i will talk to you next tuesday have a beautiful weekend everybody 